If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Everybody excited? We didn't have church last Wednesday night because of 4th of July, so it feels like we've, it's been a while. Well, it has. It's been two weeks. So we're going to jump right in, back into Ephesians, which, um, as I was saying, today I just got so excited that I, I was making up songs on the way to church. And you really don't want to be with me in the vehicle when spontaneous things are going on like that. Only me and Jesus understand that. But anyway, I just got so stirred up about this message tonight, more and more, and uh, I, I believe that this is really going to bless you tonight and encourage you and, and grow you, all right? Um, some of you know just over the last few days that uh, I, I've been really been battling some sickness. Sunday morning, I woke up and just felt awful. Matter of fact, even after the early service, I wasn't even able to even go shake people's hands. I went back in this room and just kind of laid my head back I mean, I was really fighting this some kind of cold or something, but it was just completely taking over my body. And so I was just standing on the word and fighting my, my way through it. And even after service, the second service was over, I got in the car as quickly as I could, told Heather, I said, I'm going to go home. And I crashed until about 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. And she came, woke me up and said, you probably should get up and eat some lunch. And uh, so I ate some lunch and then just kind of, and we had Doyle Dax here that night, and I felt okay. Of course, you know, his guitar playing can make you feel good no, no matter how bad you feel. He was awesome. And, uh, and then all day Monday, I was basically in bed. And then Tuesday, I thought, okay, it's time to start feeling better, and I didn't. I got up, we went to staff meeting, and I was just fighting all the way through that. Went home after lunch and crashed again. And I, and I was trying to get some rest because Doyle Dax was here in town again, and I was wanting to go see him, and he had reserved uh, some places for me and some people that were going to go with me, and I couldn't even go. And uh, so I, went, I basically went to bed again. And I, I, I told the staff, I said, I probably haven't dealt with any kind of sickness like this. It's got to be th- three years at least. So I've been sick for that amount of time. I just never am sick. And uh, so last night, me and my son were just laying in, in my bed. We're watching TV, happy days. And uh, I'm coaching him on how, you know, how great TV was back then with Fonzie, Fonzie and the gang. And, uh, and I was just feeling right. I said, Dylan, man, I need you to lay your hands on me. Pray for me. So he did. He just, matter of fact, said, Jesus, I thank you that my dad is healed in Jesus' name. And it's about 9 o'clock or so last night. 9.30, everything changed. My body completely shifted into healing. It was incredible. I mean, I sat up, I went, ah, uh, something's different. Dylan, I am, man, I feel great all of a sudden. He goes, of course, Dad, I prayed for you. I mean, he was just, duh, what do you expect, Dad? I mean, I got, let's pop some popcorn. So, man, we popped popcorn, and I stayed up till like midnight. I was, I was like full of energy. It was awesome. It was just, I felt so good. Got up this morning, and everything was great. So I, I, I know what it's like to experience the power of God Amen. And, and, and how good it feels to be healthy. Don't ever take your health for granted. Are you hearing me? Don't take how good. Don't take that for granted. I'm I'm saying that just fresh off of overcoming sickness. But man, I'm telling you what, it is a blessing to live in divine health. It is a blessing to have this covenant of healing that we have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through those stripes that He took upon His back, and we reach reach out and receive that by faith. I mean, it was like I couldn't make it work, but God used the faith of my son. Just so matter of fact. Yeah, of course, Dad. I love that. That's what we ought to expect. 
We really shouldn't be in awe of this kind of thing happening. We should expect this kind of thing to happen as the children of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Ephesians chapter 3. Have you found it? Verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. I want to stop right there and just say I love the way he starts this chapter. Now, he didn't really start chapter 3. Chapter 3 wasn't wasn't, uh, given to us through Paul. It was given to us through through our translators. But I just love the way he opens this up right here. Chapter 3 opens up, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. But he was, wasn't he a prisoner of Rome? Yeah. He's not, he's not identifying with that. I'm not, he didn't say I'm a prisoner of Rome. Prisoner of Christ Jesus for you, Gentiles. Didn't identify who he was imprisoned by or where he was imprisoned. I love this. Paul identified who he was in prison of and for. (laughs) I think that it's good that we all could model ourselves after this example. As a matter of fact, Paul did say something like, imitate me as I imitate God. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? Because if you, you follow me, I'm going to take you right to Jesus. I love that. I love the boldness. I love the confidence of that man that says, whatever steps you follow of mine, I'm going to take you to him. Amen. Amen. This ought to be all of, our, all of our identity right here. Tim, I'm a plumber of Jesus Christ for all of you homeowners out there, Right? I am a teacher of Christ Jesus for you children. Right? Understand that everywhere you go, you are of Christ Jesus to whoever he has surrounded you with. Amen? Verse 2. If indeed, I kind of think that Paul, he starts off on a thought and and then he backs up. Because in verse 14, which we'll get to next week, in verse 14, he kind of starts this whole thing over again from verse 1. But here he says, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Paul fully accepted his call. This is beautiful. He fully accepted his call as the grace of God that was given to him. Not the punishment from God for persecuting the church. And not not. Not a, 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 uh, a need to ease a guilty conscience for what he had done. But he fully accepted that it was God's grace that was given to him that empowered him to do what he did. That fueled his calling. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Now, we understand that Peter first got this revelation in the book of Acts chapter 10. Remember when he sat on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house by the sea? He sat uh, in Joppa, and he sat there, and that, he had that vision. The Bible says he fell into a trance, and that sheet came down with, with all, all the beasts of the field, the four-footed beasts and the creeping things. And the Lord said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, Not so, Lord. 
I've not ever eaten anything unclean. And God showed him this vision three times. He said, don't call common what I have cleansed. Right? And he knew that, that that vision was opening him up to a revelation. Hallelujah. That when he stepped into Cornelius' house, the very first time that this Jew had ever been in a Gentile's house, he stood there by the, by the, the unction of the Spirit who said, go, doubting nothing. Right? So he just went there by faith, obeying God. And he got there, and he's, in Acts 10, 34, he says, of a truth I perceive. God is no respecter of persons. The very same God that said, it's not right for me to throw the bread to the little dogs has changed his mind. Wow. Well, pastor, uh, God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Yeah, he is the same. Concerning his character and who he is, but how he deals with us has changed. How he deals with man has changed. Hallelujah. Jesus is the one that made all that change, and that's what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. But, But here, Peter says, whoa, whoa, whoa. At one time, there was no, no revelation of anybody on the outside of Israel receiving anything concerning the blessings, the covenant, the promises of Almighty God. But now he stands in this, this man's house, and he, I, I can just hear, see him relating that, seeing that vision, going, oh, that's what that means. God's no respecter of persons. Salvation is for all men. And remember, they had the great council in Jerusalem because, man, I mean, disputes and fights broke out all over the place because Gentiles were coming into the kingdom of God. And by Acts chapter 15, they had a great council there, and they finally decided that they did not have to be circumcised. They did not have to go by the ordinances of the law, but simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, they said, hey, we get saved just like they do, by faith in Jesus Christ. God purified their hearts by faith, and that's how God purifies our hearts. Right? So this is what Paul's talking about. It was revealed to his, his holy apostles and prophets and Paul being the number one guy that this revelation came to. He would be the one who would carry out the order of taking this gospel to the Gentiles. If indeed you heard the dispensation of the grace of God, uh, let's see, verse four, by which when you read may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. The first thing that we see here is the presentation of the mystery. The presentation of the mystery. Now, Romans chapter 16, I'm gonna give you a few other places where Paul references the mystery. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret when? Since the world began. But now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. And then Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 says, Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. And then in Colossians chapter 1 verses 25 through 27, he says, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed or presented to his saints. Hallelujah. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A whole new presentation. The presentation of this mystery is mysterious to me. Of course, God never does anything orthodox. God never does anything like we expect him to, right? I mean, he presented the greatest news 
on a, on, a, on a dark night out in a field around a campfire where there were some shepherds and said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, how come they didn't just go down to the church where the people were living right and doing right? I mean, you'd think that's, those are the guys that need to get the first announcement of the birth of Christ, but it's a bunch of old rugged shepherds out in the field get to hear the news first. And then the very first person to see Jesus Christ raised from the dead, who was a, a woman who was delivered from her lady of the nightness, right? He continually shows us a better way. Continually see the grace of Almighty God in how he presents himself to us. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. When me and my brother were little, I want to say we were probably five and four, six and five, somewhere around there. It was Christmas in Thackerville, Oklahoma. And we went up to my grandmother's house, my mom's mom's house. And we walked into the front door. They had us go outside. And we walked in the front door and there were these two big boxes in the living room. Big boxes. And they had and wrapping paper all around them. So, man, we went to tearing out that wrapping paper. And there on the side of each box was a picture of the big wheel. Y'all remember the big wheel? And the big wheel. Oh, man, we were screaming. We were excited because this is what we had wanted. This is the big present. This is the thing we had been waiting for, thing we had been watching other kids on TV. We'd wanted to, we'd, we'd seen them pull that little blue brake. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then slide the back of that thing around. That's, we could not wait to be able to experience that. So we tore into that box only to find that it was empty. And my dad stood there and laughed and laughed and laughed and just thought that was the greatest thing in the world. All of our hopes and dreams dashed against the wall, shattered before our very eyes. And after he had a good laugh and saw that uh, our disappointment was gruesome, um, he said, boys, won't you go around in there to the den? And uh, so we walked around there and opened the door into the den, and there they were, fully assembled. And yeah, man, we were so excited. But his presentation was not what we were expecting. <laughs> this presentation that God has given this apostle is not what men were expecting at all. When God had told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, as far as they knew, they were going to present it to only the people of Israel. The Jews that were scattered across the world, nobody else, but God had a different presentation in mind. Hallelujah. In June, on June 1st, 1997, it was one of my favorite events in National Basketball Association history, except for the Mavericks winning the championship last year. That was great. But this was the era of a man by the name of Michael Jordan. And that's all you have to do is say that name and you know that nobody else compares. And Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, who are the top two on the, on the Bulls, the Chicago Bulls, were playing the top two, Carl Malone and John Stockton of the Utah Jazz. It was game one in the series of the finals. It was June 1st, 1997. And these guys were playing their guts out, man. I mean, they were so well matched. It was 82 to 82. And Carl Malone got fouled with nine and a half seconds left in the game. Carl Malone's a good, good free throw shooter. You remember what they used to call Carl Malone? The he had the nickname the mailman. 
because he could deliver that ball into the basket like nobody's business. When he slammed the ball, everybody kind of flinched. He's a big man. That day, he stood at the free throw line, nine and a half seconds left, tied 82 to 82. And Scottie Pippen walked by Carl Malone and whispered in his ear, mailman don't deliver on Sundays. Carl Malone kind of smirked. I remember watching that game. Nobody knew what he said at that time. They just saw him whisper in his ear and he kind of smirked. He took his first free shot. Brick. Missed. That's what brick means, yeah. Dribble again. Took his second shot. Boom. Miss again. Michael Jordan rebounds the ball. Seven and a half seconds left. Calls timeout. They inbounds the ball, of course, to Michael Jordan, who just dribbles the ball down to the final precious waning seconds of the game and with the, a second or so left, shoots a 20-footer, knocks it down at the buzzer, Bulls win the game. Game's over. And they asked Scottie Pippen after the game, what in the world did you say to Carl Malone? In which he said, I told him the mailman don't deliver on Sundays. See, Carl Malone had been practicing over and over and over again. He had this routine down. Free throws. Practice. Practice. Every day, it's the same thing. If I shoot it over and over again, I'm going to make this. Free shots are free. To, are free. you got to make the free shots, right? Nobody's blocking you. No, there's no pressure on that. You make the free shot. But this day, something was presented to him in a different way. The opponent got to him and said, today's not going to be like the other days, Carl. Mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. And he became convinced that what this man said was true and everything changed. See, the Jews, Paul, was so used to one system. He was so used to just ceremonial washings. He was used to following the law to the letter. He was used to the, to the feast, keeping the feast, doing everything by the letter of the law. But then one day on a road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus Christ himself shone from heaven a great, great light and it knocked him off his mule and he said, may I present to you a whole new way. It's not how it, how it used to be, Paul. As a matter of fact, Paul, of all people for Jesus to pick, Paul, now let me just say something about this man because remember what Paul said about himself? I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I am a Jew among Jews. He's a better Jew than Jesus was. He didn't, in keeping the, Jesus touched a leper. Paul would have never touched a leper, right? He's better at being a Jew concerning the law than Jesus Christ himself, all right? And as a matter of fact, he even said about himself concerning the law, I'm blameless, right? He lived it, man. And if anybody opposed it, he killed them. He was all, he only wanted them dead. And the people that were opposing it at this time were other Jews. These Christian Jews, these, these Messianic Jews who were, turning, who were turning the world upside down as they had this testimony. And Paul had no problem at all just, just cold blood, calculating, killing all of them, as many as he could. And he would go get papers and he would go drag them out of houses, men and women, and drag them to their deaths. Put them in prison. He didn't care. Remember Stephen, the first martyr of the church, died at the hands of Paul as he stood there holding the cloaks of the men who stoned him, consenting to his death. 
He didn't have any problem doing it because he was caught up in the system. And he believed that he was doing this for God. Now, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's already pretty radical if God's going to call him to go preach the gospel and begin to have him preach just like the other Jews preach to other Jews. <laughs> but no, Paul, we're going to take it to a whole nother level. I'm not just going to save you to preach to other Jews. You're going to the lost. You're going to the dogs. You're going to the nemesis of your existence, the very Gentiles themselves. What a radical conversion this was for this man to now go into the other parts of the world that no Jew would ever dare to go. The presentation of this mystery is what astounds me how God called this little man. That's what Saul means, right? Little one. So Paul went from persecuting Christians to being a Christian-producing factory. Yeah. Now look at this, verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. This is the mystery that was been hidden from the ages. This is the mystery since the world began. Since before the world began, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. This wasn't just some last-minute secondary thought to God. This was a mystery that he had hidden a long time ago, ages and ages before. Before any of the sons, while the sons of men lived on the earth centuries and centuries, nobody knew about this. But now it's been revealed that, you, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. How? Through the gospel. Oh. This is the beautiful thing about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is what saves people. The gospel is what has caused us to become something altogether new. Hallelujah. It's what gave us the power to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. It was the gospel. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes. It's the gospel. These words, remember what, remember what the, uh, the angel had told Cornelius? Uh, Peter's later talking about this, and he says, the angel told Cornelius, call for Peter, and he's going to come and tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved. Those words, when they fall on your ears, are going to give you the power for salvation. Hallelujah. In those words are life. In those words are a chance at a whole new, a whole new life. You see why we as, the, as believers in Christ I mean, the only, think about it. We're always trying to get people, I mean, we think we need to get people saved. And we, yeah, but it's not really us that gets people saved. It's the gospel that saves men. It's the gospel that saves them. We just have to tell them. We just have to open up our mouths and let those powerful words come out and fall on men's ears. Hey, this gospel, is, this is the mystery. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's accepted. Anyone who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ can have a new life in him. Yeah. I love that. God has done all of us such a, an amazing favor. Y'all know who Angelina Jolie is? All the guys are like, yep, what's going to do? <laughs> in 2005, she adopted a little Ethiopian baby. She was over there, and, and uh, that 
drought infested and disease infested and famine infested country. And uh, she got this idea that although that she, she couldn't help every child there and do them all a great favor, she could help one. She could do something for a child. And so she, she took, she adopted this child. She, she stepped out of her world and into the world of this little girl whose existence was, was difficult at the, at the very best. And what a difference this little girl now faces as being adopted into this home. Angelina Jolie chose this child. She showed favor to her. Her life, which was once deprived, now had abundance. Her life, which was once without any real future, now was exploding with possibility. What a difference it can be when someone who has everything shows favor to someone who doesn't have anything. See, this is what, this is the mystery that has been come to us. God has done you and I a great favor. We were, as we read before, without God. But now, not only is God with us, but God is in us. Hallelujah. He didn't just save us from darkness. He translated us into the kingdom of his son. Not only did he save us from hell, but he seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Mm. We were strangers. We were aliens to God's covenant and to his promises. But now in Christ, all of his promises are yes and amen. We had no hope and without God in the world. But now we have this hope as an anchor of the soul. His name is Jesus Christ. Can, you, can I get a good amen? He says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, li- listen to this. I, uh, it t- you have to kind of, you have to really slow down when you read Paul's writing because it's so full. Of which I became a minister, how? According to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, Bible college is a good thing. I went to Bible college. I think it's a very good thing. And I highly recommend it, especially if, for those of you who desire to be in full-time ministry. Serving at the church is a good thing. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I felt like I was preaching to myself up here for a second. It's a good thing, and I highly recommend it to give you experience for serving God and serving others and for ministry. Telling people your testimony and sharing the gospel with others is, good, is very good ministry. But listen to me. At the end of the day, none of those things qualify you to be a minister. There's only one thing according to the gift of the grace of God. The grace of God qualifies everyone here to be effective ministers of the gospel of Christ. Isn't this wonderful? Paul said, listen, I know, I know the Bible. I know, <laughs> I know it better than anybody, but that's not what qualified me to be a minister. It was the grace that was given to me. It was the gift of God that saved me, that qualified me to be able to go tell others now. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, we see the presentation of the mystery, how it came to us, but now, look at this, what he says. He says, the grace given that I should preach. Now we see the, we all have the preaching of the ministry. 
of the mystery, I should, I should say, sorry, the preaching of the mystery. This mystery was presented by God, but now this mystery is to be preached by us. All men are equal in the eyes of God. And if anyone be in Christ, anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. Now look at this. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now we see the purpose of this mystery. All right, we all understand that we have an obligation to preach the gospel of Christ, right? What is the gospel? Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Amen? Whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's it right there. Whoever confesses Jesus is Lord. Amen? Yes. Believes in his heart. All right, so, but look at this. It says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Wow. You understand right now, ladies and gentlemen, how incredibly important the church of the living God is to him? And we have to make this thing, uh, we have to understand that this is so important to, and it's gotta be important to us. What the, church is, what the church's purpose is in the earth that as we are the church and as we are growing and as we are building, that we are basically showing off to the devil. Yep. We're showing, revealing the wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers. I like what, uh, uh, oh, is it Titus? Titus chapter 2. It says that um, having disarmed principalities and powers uh, and made a public spectacle of them. Colossians 2, yeah, not Titus 2. Colossians 2. Made a public spectacle, a public spectacle of the enemy. Hallelujah. I mean, he just, he just showed them all how defeated they were. And as long as the church of the living God is here in the earth, every day the devil has to see his defeat. That's why he attacks us so hard. That's why the church is continuing. Because the devil hates us. All he sees when he sees us is his own demise. He feels the, 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 the beating from Calvary. This purpose is to show that all men are welcomed by God. All men are accepted through Jesus Christ. The church is the wisdom of God revealed to all the nations, all races, all tribes, and all tongues that we are all one in the church. Hallelujah. It's the church that makes us one. He made Jew and Gentile, bar barbarian, every, all of us one in the church. Hallelujah. What was once so divided is so very united in the body of Christ. And you know what? I believe this, that as the church grows, the glory grows. More glory is revealed as the church marches in triumph and victory. The enemies of God can only watch in horror as Jesus, this is what's powerful about this whole thing, as Jesus, the once, the once only begotten Son of God, has now become the firstborn among many brethren. 
See, all they could see was that, that little Galilean man making a huge difference on that little speck on the map called Israel. But now, all over the world they see him. All over the, the devil sees Jesus everywhere called the body of Christ in the earth, the church of the living God. He sees Jesus everywhere now. There's nothing he can do about it now. Because we're all him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? Don't forget, remember what Jesus said. Is, does that mean I've got to quit? Are you setting the alarm for the pastor? <laughs> okay, wow. This was, I thought, mm, mm. <laughs> Now listen to me. As divided as we seem at times, and I know that there's division in the church, yeah. right? It's a, it's a word called denominations. <laughs> that is divided as we are in that way. Ladies and gentlemen, I, it still excites me to know that on Sundays, on Wednesdays, yes. whenever people of God meet, that when, men and women, boys and girls, are still coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ today. As imperfect as she is today, in the spirit, she's totally right. But God is using the church of God in a mighty way. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <clears throat> and the cause of Christ and the work of his church <clears throat> are more important than any one of us, yet they require the contribution of every one of us. We, the church, we're definitely a work in progress, but we are his work in progress. Don't ever forget that. He's the one building the church, right? Jesus is the master carpenter, and he who began that good work in us, he's gonna be faithful to complete it. So let's not get too caught up in what needs to be done as much as who needs to get it done. <laughs> Amen? Now, I, 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 love, I love pastor and church, and I love all the perks that come with it, like, pastor, this needs to happen, right? <laughs> this needs to happen. Okay, well, what are you gonna do about it? Oh, I don't wanna do anything about it. I just want you to know that this needs to happen. Right? Hey, if you see that it needs to be happening, that probably means that you need to be the one to make sure that that need gets met. Right? You see the need, you do what? Meet the need. <laughs> I lost you right there. Because we're not just working for the Lord. We're working with the Lord. Amen? Now, I've heard stuff said like this. Oh, God. Break our hearts for the nations. Oh, God, teach me to love the sinner. Okay. Now, I know nobody in this church has probably ever prayed that. Break our hearts for the nations. Oh, God. 
Okay, first of all, scripture and verse. Scripture and verse, please. Where do you get that kind of thinking? Where in the world does that come from? All right? What is the problem here? I mean, that all sounds so spiritual. It is so spiritual. So religious is what it is. That's all it is. It's a religious game. How about this? Just go to the nations. Why don't you just do it? How about just go? Teach me to love the sinner. Why don't you just go tell the sinner about Jesus? You're asking God to, to do something he's not going to do. I mean, he's pretty convinced. He's pretty convinced that he saved you. He's pretty convinced that he made you a whole new creation. And that when your heart was broken, he actually healed you with that gospel. And he needs your whole heart to go preach to the broken hearts. Doofus. The gospel binds up the broken hearts. Oh, God, break our hearts. God, don't do that. He binds the brokenhearted. He don't break the heart. You need to get over yourself. You just got to get over yourself. Period. That's all just, that's all that is is just talk. I never, ever heard T.L. Osborne pray a prayer like that. Oh, God, break my heart for the nations. No. No, he just went. See, listen, if you'll go, if you'll tell them, you'll love them. Because telling them is loving them. Praying about loving them ain't doing a dadgum thing. How about have a heart for God, and you'll have a heart for the nations. Just have a heart for Him. That's all you need a heart for. That's all you need your focus on. That's all you need your eyes full of is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm just telling you, I went to Bible school, and I heard that kind of stuff said all the time. And it, well, it just drove me nuts. I just, I've never understood that kind of thinking. When God paid such a dear price for us and made our lives so whole in Christ and so complete in him, that we would get in our little prayer closet and pray stupid prayers like that rather than go and do something for God. Right. Amen. Amen. All, right, I'm, all right. I hope I haven't offended anybody, but if I have, well, that's the way it is. Because what it takes is a whole heart full of the power of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and a mouth that is willing to declare these unsearchable riches of Christ. According to, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. The church has been in God's eternal purpose. Like I said, it wasn't some fleeting thought of God. It was according to his eternal purpose. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. You see how this works? Boldness and confidence come by faith in him. Amen. Yeah. Boldness and confidence. Are you hearing me? Yeah, that's good. Come 
by faith in God, that you actually believe that you have the kind of relationship with God that you can come before him any day of the week, any time, no matter what circumstance, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, you can still come boldly before the throne of grace. Because your relationship with him is not contingent upon what you do or don't do. It's what Jesus Christ has done and what he has secured for you already. Amen? And see, when you get that understanding, hallelujah, then that sin and that junk, that stuff has no place. It just, does, it just has no strength to hold on to you. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And we'll pick up there next week and talk about it. All right? Has this helped you tonight? Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.